Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 147. Today, we are talking to a lot of different people about what do kids need on a very special episode. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course and the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. So welcome. If you're listening on the day this comes out, Merry Christmas. This is a super exciting episode because this is actually kind of like my, I'm thinking of this one and next week's as like my Christmas gift to you, (laughs) my solstice gift to you, my Hanukkah gift to you, my whatever you celebrate gift to you, my New Year's gift to you. Because this has been, (laughs) these are going to be some very special episodes. I have a whole bunch of people that I'm going to talk today about what do kids need. I'm going to ask them all three specific questions. And it's really just so grounding and really it's filled me up so much to have these conversations. I'm so excited to share them with you because it really gets down to what is important. And these, so these two episodes are going to be, we're going to have part one and part two will be next week. And this is really my gift to you to really 
remember what's important. And it's really, really amazing. So to tell you who's on today, very excited. You are going to hear from my dear friend, Carla Nomberg, Dr. John Duffy, Anna Seawald, Catherine Reynolds-Lewis, and Julie Lithcott-Hames. And I'll tell you, remind you a little bit more about them as we get closer to our conversation. And they've all been on the podcast before. And I'll remind you which episode they were on, but they're stellar, amazing knockout interviews. I'm so, so happy to share with you. So before we dive in, I just want to let you know that the Mindful Mama group coaching program, Mindful Mama transformation coaching programs sold out we decided to open up, I decided to open up a new one. So we're going to meet on Thursdays. And if you are interested in this, this is kind of coming together at the last minute. This is only if you're listening in real time. Do check out mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And it's a five-month group coaching experience to really give you the support that you need. Like, I get it. Like we are smart women. We're smart mamas. Like we get things done. We achieve things. We do all kinds of stuff all on our own. And so sometimes we think we don't need support when it comes to our parenting and our kids and we should be able to do it and it's instinctual and all those things. And you know what? That's such BS because it makes a huge difference in the world to get the support from other women, from a coach. It makes a huge, huge difference. So if you want to talk to me about that, please reach out at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. We'll hop on the phone. Or if you want to learn more, just go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. Now, we'll start off this What Do Kids Need expert roundtable session um, with my dear friend, Carla Nomberg. And Carla has been on so many podcasts that I just don't have time to list them all because she's kind of like my unofficial co-host. So a few that she's been on that I would love to point out to are the number 144 was a recent episode when we talked about 10 reasons why retreats are important. She was there for number 137, self-care for anxious times. Number 116, stop self-sacrificing. And one of the big favorites that people love, love to listen to, it's one of the most downloaded episodes of all time, number 85, how to discipline your kids mindfully. And I want to give a shout out to episode number one, number 71, what's your attachment style? So all these episodes Carla has been on. I love Carla. She's amazing. She's also going to be joining me. We are co-leading a retreat at the Copper Beach Institute in March, March 1st through 3rd. So if you would like to hang out with me and Carla for a week after listening to this conversation, please learn more about that. You can find information about that at mindfulmamamentor.com. All right. So join me at the table as I talk to the wonderful Carla Nomberg. Carla, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hunter, how do I sound? Oh my God, you sound so good. <laughs> Why, Hunter, do I sound so good? Did I get a voice transplant? No, I did not. What did I get, Hunter? <laughs> you got a little Hanukkah gift from the Hanukkah fairy. 
Oh my god, guys, not only is Hunter a mindful mama mentor, but she is a Hanukkah fairy. So this is the point at which I would suggest you all immediately convert to Judaism because apparently Hunter will start sending you amazing stuff like microphones. So yeah. Carla that. has a new mic. She's sounding a lot better. Yay! I just I feel like a new woman. I feel very professional and important right now. You're a podcaster, Carla. Just accept it. Loving it. Loving it. Living live the podcaster life. Living the podcaster dream. Living the dream. Okay. So let's get down to business and talk about what we're here to talk about today and just tell everyone briefly who you are as well. Oh, yeah. My name is Carla Nomberg, and I am a social worker and parent coach. I'm the author of two, soon to be three parenting books. My next book how to Stop Losing Your Beep with Your Kids, although the word is actually in the real title, but I'm trying to be sensitive to Hunter's needs. It's going to be out this summer, my next book. And I live outside of Boston with my husband and my two daughters. Awesome. Yes, yes. And Carla, today you are part of a group of people to talk about this question, thinking about, thinking about way, way back when... Oh, so long ago when you were a young parent and you were struggling and going crazy. So what advice would you give to yourself when at that time, when your first child was like a wee little thing and you were starting to go bananas? My gosh, Hunter, I wanted an easy question. Like, I don't know, what's your favorite color? That would have worked for me. This is a tough question. And I'll tell you why it's tough. It's a good question. So there is the question of what advice I would give to myself. And then there is the question of what advice I was able to hear back then. Hmm. Because I had access to a lot of really, really useful and helpful and kind and wise ideas and information. And I wasn't in a place as a mom where I could appreciate it, integrate it and make use of it because I was I was tired and I was overwhelmed and I was anxious and I didn't have the space or the perspective my whole world was this tiny little baby. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 20 months later, there were two tiny little babies. So I think the best and most useful advice I can give to new mothers these days is find your peeps and spend as much time as you can with them. And when I say your peeps, I mean other women. I think they need to be mothers, although I'm, I'm willing to be flexible on that. And I really think ideally mothers who are in similar stages of parenting as you are, that you can just totally be yourself with. And every time you hang out with them, you feel connected and, and confident. You have at least some sense of like, okay, I got this. I can do this. Mm. And these may not be the same people that were your friends before you had kids. They may not be people that you actually ever see again in your life. And they, or they may be, they may be your BFFs. That's awesome when it works out. It doesn't always. And they may not be the people that you would expect them to be, the people that you run into when you're going back to work or drop off at daycare or, you know, going out for a walk with the baby. So for some people, we kind of, some people are lucky and they kind of find these women. And for some people, we have to work a little harder. And I was literally like accosting people in Target and coffee <laughs> shops. Like if I had seen mom with a new baby, I'd be like, hey, you want to be my friend? It was really awkward. But I, I knew, and I literally like just almost assaulted a woman on our street in a nice way. And now we're actually good friends and she's my next door neighbor. But I was like, oh my God, there's a woman with a baby and she's home in the middle of the day and I, I need to talk to her and she has to be my friend right now. Like I was, I was, don't, don't necessarily do what I did. But 
if you can find new parenting groups, like make the effort to go to them if you can. Anywhere you can find these people, just set up play dates, invite them over, invite yourself, like do what you can because mm-hmm. those are the people that are going to help you stay sane. And again, you know these people because they're honest with you. Like they don't clean up their house every time you come over. They're not always wearing a clean shirt. Like I remember going to one parenting group and the mom would show up and her hair was perfectly blown out. And I remember literally she wore like a strapless sundress one time and I was in like (laughs) Target leggings and a dirty t-shirt. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? Who are you? I don't even look that good on a nice day. So And so clearly her peeps were different than mine. There's nothing wrong with this mom. She's just, she wasn't my peeps. So what I would say to brand new parents is find your peeps, whoever they may be, the people you feel super connected to and spend time with them and just, just be with them, be honest, laugh, do whatever you need to do. And that's, that's my suggestion. I think that's great advice, Carla, to just normalize the situation. Cause like having a new baby, having a new child, it's like, you're so like, you're just thrown into a whole other world and, and you're just shocked that everyone else in the world is living from the surface normal lives while you're in this like, you know, this, in this crazy zone of new parenting. So yeah, find your peeps who are also in that zone. So I love that advice. Thank you. That's really insightful. Like what was I able to hear? That's really insightful, Carla. What do kids need from us? Hunter, why would you ask me this question? Look, if I had the answer to this question, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on my private island, like chilling with Oprah. No, seriously though, this is a really important question. And obviously our kids need us to do whatever we can to keep them alive. So that's step one, like feed them and take them to the doctor and, you know, like. Basics of life. Yeah, basic, basic, basic childcare. And I, I, I actually mentioned that because I think for all of us, there are days when we get to the end of the day and it's like, okay, I did that. And that was the best I could do. And that's okay. Yeah. But I think in general, and every kid needs something different. So I want to be very clear that I'm going to offer my suggestion. And if this doesn't resonate with you and your family, ditch it, you know, that's okay. But I think what kids generally need is they need to feel connected to an adult that they feel safe and comfortable with. And what that means for us is that we need to do what we can to be able to show up for them as often as we can. And it's not going to be every minute of every day, but in a safe and present way. Mm. So kids really need to feel safe and they need to feel physically safe and emotionally safe. And part of that is knowing that the adult who is responsible for them is more often than not, not going to hurt them or explode at them or freak out at them. And if you are a parent who is hearing this and feeling deeply embarrassed or ashamed about the last time you lost it with your kid, please, that's not where I'm going with this because we don't have to be perfect for our kids and we all lose it with our kids. And many, many of us are dealing with stressors in our lives, work stressors, financial stressors, extended family stressors, health stressors, mental health stressors, whatever it may be that make it really almost impossible for us to, to do what I'm saying. And if that's your case, please just hear me that you need more support, that this is hard and that it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and, and the thing that drove me to write my, my upcoming book, How to Stop Losing Your Poop with Your Kids, I'm keeping it clean, Hunter, is that this has been a challenge for me personally. And it is a challenge that many, many of the parents I work with, you know, struggle with 
it's really the challenge of our generation. I mean, the New York Times ran an article a few years ago that called us a generation that yells. And I think that's true. Mm. Um, I think some people are also struggling with being physically safe with their kids. But what I would say is our kids need us to be a source of safety and connection and helping them feel uh, compassion, a source of safety Mm. and connection and compassion whenever we can. And that is an extremely tall order and we don't need to be perfect and we don't need to do it all the time. But when we can show up for our kids, that that's what they need. How, How is that for not at all concise? I think that's beautiful. No, no, that's totally great. Like, yes, they need the basics of life and then that feeling of safety and comfort, physical and emotional safety. And we get so focused on physical safety, I think, uh, sometimes like we get a little crazy on physical safety, aka like bouncing rubber playground. <laughs> playground. Um, those make me crazy, like <laughs> floors. <laughs> but there is a movement now for like these sort of oh, yeah. less safe playgrounds. And the best playground we've ever been to was in the Adirondacks. It, it's this nature museum in Lake Placid. And they basically took this corner of the woods and just dumped a bunch of like pieces of wood that were the size that children can move around. And so some of them were like stumps, slices of stumps and branches and stuff. And you can just go in there and like build stuff with the wood. And it was amazing, but that's a side topic. So anyways. Wow. That sounds amazing. So, so, but then, you know, that, that emotional safety and that emotional safety, you're right. It's like, it is a tall order, but what a, what a beautiful challenge, right? What a beautiful challenge that's laid before us to offer our kids that emotional safety that we all wish we had maybe more of when we were kids. But, you know, this idea of, of, I feel comfortable, I'm safe, I'm protected, I can turn to you. Those are beautiful things. And it is, it is really hard. It is really hard. So, so so how do we do that? We do that by taking care of ourselves, right? I think we do it by taking care of ourselves and by recognizing what that can look like. Like it doesn't always look like we're completely on top of things in common presence. Sometimes emotional safety means acknowledging that we just lost it, apologizing to our kids and reconnecting because that's life. Like people lose it with each other. So better that our kids learn now what that looks like and how to reconnect. And I think sometimes creating a space of emotional safety for our kids. Well, I think we're getting to the next question. So why don't I let you ask that question and then I will answer it. Well, I I was asking that question. How do we give that? How do we give that safety? Yes. (laughs) Okay. You were, you were, you were asking that and I was confused. I'm not that smart. Okay. So what I would say is number one, again, like take, yes, taking care of ourselves because kids are hard, man. They're unpredictable and they're inconsistent and they're confusing as hell. And they like don't replace the toilet paper and they wipe their boogers on the wall and they do just really dumb, obnoxious stuff that makes you want to lose your mind. Yes. And so when you show up for a kid, it's not like just waking up in the morning and being like, I can handle whatever life ha-, you know, throws my way. It's like, I'm going to run a marathon today. I'm going to run a freaking marathon with a kid who's whining in my ear the whole time. So you kind of have to like treat yourself like you're running a marathon. And just for the record, I have literally never run a marathon. So I don't know exactly what that entails, but I'm hoping lots of pasta. Um, <laughs> and so we need sleep. Dude, yeah. you got to sleep. And moving your body every day stretching, walking, whatever you can do, or training for a marathon if that's your gig. Um, Taking time to slow down and and get quiet. And if you can, meditation, mindfulness, whatever is your gig, right? Whatever works for you, but you have to replenish yourself. 
and acknowledging when you can't. Mm. Like, you know, parenting is hard these days. And a lot of the reasons it's hard, I mean, look, it's always been hard, but in our current culture, it's hard because we don't have enough childcare. Mm. Many, many families, mm. both parents are working full time and they have no support. And so they are dealing with unbelievable amounts of stress every day. Families don't have enough money. They don't have access to the high quality medical care or health insurance they need. And these are not problems that self-care is going to fix. Mm-hmm. And these are problems that for many of us, we are not empowered to fix. And that sucks. Like that's just awful. So acknowledging that while self-care is part of the piece, just admitting, like owning and admitting and connecting to the fact that parenting is legitimately hard for reasons that aren't your fault and that you are not empowered to change. And so what do we do about that? Self-compassion and support. That's all I've got. If somebody's got something better, please write into me and Hunter because I would love to hear it. But, you know, not telling yourself you're a bad mom Mm -hmm. because you were late to pick up when you literally can't get there any faster because you were at work and now you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. That's all you can do is have compassion for yourself and connect with your peeps. So that's really important. And then again, like I said, the many ways that we can show up for our children is not only sort of being present for them when we can, but also reconnecting with them and apologizing and talking about it when we've fallen apart or lost it. And I think also just getting whenever you can some kind of time away from your kids and your work. And so if that means if you have a parenting partner, giving each other an hour or two off on the weekends, if you can, trading weekend days that you get to sleep in, and especially when the kids are young, it's okay to do a lot of tag teaming. And it's not ideal because really you want to all be together or maybe you don't, maybe you're just like, that's cool. I'm psyched to get away. And that's fine too. But giving yourself some space away from the kids will help you be more present with them when you're with them. Absolutely. I love that, Carla. Like this is like a marathon every single day. So, mm-hmm. so stop being so hard on yourself that you get support, you know, offer yourself compassion. Those, those are definitely things we need. Thank you so much, Carla, for having back on with us here and talking to me. <laughs> and-, and to our one podcast <laughs> for those of you who heard our previous podcast. No, thank you, Hunter. I mean, the work you do and the message you're putting out into the world is is super important, and I know it makes me a better parent, and I hope it really feels very supportive and helpful to all of your listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you can find out more about Carla at carlanomberg.com. And Carla and I will be leading a Mindfulness for Mothers retreat, March 1st through 3rd at the Copper Beach Institute in Hartford, Connecticut. So West Hartford. Yep, West Hartford. Come hang with me and Carla. It's super fun. And uh, Hunter, aren't you going to Costa Rica this spring? Yeah, yeah. So come hang with me in Costa Rica too. You go to her website, just type Hunter Clark Fields, Costa Rica, and just click that like sign up button because it's going to be amazing and it will <laughs> totally replenish you. Thank you for the plug, Carla. I know you got to get going. So thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. And happy holidays, everyone. I love how Carla points out that, you know, what are we able to hear? Sometimes we can only take the advice we're able to hear. So we have to offer ourselves a lot of compassion, our younger selves. We don't have to do it all and we don't have to do it all perfectly. So 
I love that. And I love her, her answers about the basics of life. So, so wonderful. My next expert roundtable guest is Dr. John Duffy, and he is a wonderful person. You will be able to tell how much I enjoy hanging out and talking to him by our conversation. And he is the author of a book called Available Parenting. And if you're in the Chicago area, you've probably seen him a lot on TV because he's he's all over the place and he'll he'll introduce himself. But check out this conversation with the wonderful Dr. John Duffy. Here we go. So John Duffy, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I appreciate having you here. Thrilled to be back here. It's so good to talk to you, Anne. Yeah, yeah. So we are just going to dive right in because, well, give us a brief intro to who you are. Okay. So I am a clinical psychologist. I work a lot with preteens and teens and their parents. I wrote a book in 2011 called The Available Parent, and I'm just finishing another book tentatively titled Parenting the New Teenager, just because things have changed so radically in the last seven years. And I do some radio work here in Chicago and some television work, and I love my career, and I love being a dad. Yay, yay. Yeah. For those of you who are outside of Chicago, like John is like all over the Chicago TV, as far as I can tell. You're like all over the place, which is <laughs> Yeah. So some of the questions we're trying to get get that perspective, start the new year off right. So thinking back to when you you love being a dad now. I yes. bet there might have been a time <laughs> where you were kind of frustrated and you were like tearing your hair out. So thinking back to when you were a young parent, if you could give that guy some advice, what would you say to him? I love this question because it gives me this image. I remember walking my son when he was a, a baby and I'm fretting. I was worrying as, as you know, literally I'm pushing the stroller. It was early in the morning. And that's when I think about this question, I think about that moment where, oh man, I could have been so present and could have enjoyed that moment so much more. But I was a warrior as a new parent. And so I was pretty anxious a lot of the time. And I reflect a lot on the moments I might have missed. You know, I think because when we're anxious, we can be right there and still miss a lot of the moments. So I, looking back, if I could talk to John Duffy, the very much younger John Duffy now, I would absolutely tell him, get your house in order. Go and talk to a therapist and work this stuff through now so that you really feel solid and comfortable and you can be present fully as a, as a husband and a father. And you can enjoy this time instead of worrying your way through it the way you are. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So going back to that, understand yourself, take care of yourself. It's that work on ourselves. It always kind of comes back to that, right? Like it's like, that's really the big thing we can control is like that. It's a big thing. And it's so critical. And it's so easy to miss, I think, because being a new parent is such a frenetic, busy time that, you know, we're, we're very occupied. And now, and my, my son is 23 years old. And now when I work with parents who are new parents, they've got a whole new set of challenges, you know, and stimuli and circumstances that they have to deal with. It's much more stressful now than it was just a couple of decades ago. Yeah, yeah. So taking care of that that stress in ourselves so it doesn't spill over. And that, that means so many, many different things. But so I love that. Go talk to a therapist. That's yeah. great advice. Go yeah. talk to a therapist because it's... <laughs> freaking hard. It's hard to have this tiny person in your life and have them turn everything upside down. And it's not all roses and rainbows and it's really hard and you need help. So get that help. Get that help. Use the whole toolbox. Love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. So you work specifically with teens. So maybe you can speak to this kind of from that perspective. Yeah. What do kids need from us? Yeah. So I would say kids need two things from us. One is what I call availability. It means taking your own fear, your own judgment, your own ego as a parent, and as best you can, putting that on the back burner. And that alone, I think, is really, really mighty work that's really challenging for parents because these are days where I think we're really anxious a lot of the time. We judge ourselves. We judge our children, especially our teenagers. If they're playing Fortnite or they're on Instagram, for example, instead of doing the work we want them to be doing in the moment. And our egos are at play too. You know, we we would prefer to have the bumper sticker that says Princeton than the one that says some school we've never heard of. So 
that's the first thing is taking fear, judgment, and ego as best you can, putting it at bay. But with teenagers in particular today, and even preteens, I think you have to take it a step further and really step into their worlds and try and understand their stresses because it's so different being 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 now than it was even a few years ago. Hunter, if we don't understand what it is that they're going through, what their stressors are online, in school, with their friends, then, then we're not doing the best job we can as parents. And it's the Wild West. It's a very different world than what we know. So if we presume that we understand because we were there once, one thing I can assure virtually any parent listening we were never there. <laughs> we, that, what they're going through is something we never went through. So you really have to do a lot of stepping into their world, sitting down, tell me what this game is about. Tell me how the social media thing works. What, what number does it play on you? So, so yeah, so that was the question I was going to ask, like, how do we do that? And you're saying you we do that by being available for our kids, sitting down and just basically asking them questions. Will they feel like that's an interrogation? I mean, should we, because I can also imagine the opposite, like we're going to go try to like research what kind of teens are doing this way. And then we like talk to our kids and they're going to be like, oh my God, like you've gotten seven eye rolls. <laughs> and, and you're right. It, it, it is a fine line and it can't be an interrogation <laughs> because we all know kids are real savvy and they're on to us when we're interrogating. It really has to come from this point of curiosity. And one thing I find just with my experience with teenagers and 11, 12 year olds, they like being teachers. So when Fortnite first came out, I remember asking, like, I don't understand this game. Like, why is this game any better than any other game? And I've had a, a couple of boys in particular explain this to me. I've had kids explain to me how Snapchat works. And if you let them be the teacher, they'll teach you how things work. And if you kind of ask without an agenda, and this is hard to do as a parent, but without an agenda, you know, like, tell me about Snapchat. How do kids in your grade use it? You know, because I've heard that some kids use it for X or Y and, and let them kind of walk you through it instead of it. But make sure it's not an interrogation. Make sure you're coming to it from a point of curiosity. Like I want to understand what's going on in your world and your grade. So teach me a little bit because I, I don't understand this stuff at all. And most of us can say that with reasonable assurance. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually <laughs> my nephew we all sat and like watched him play Fortnite. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, now I know what Fortnite is. It's not a two-week time span. It's, <laughs> it's this game. And yeah, they're kind of killing everyone. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but they, they do some funky victory dances, which is kind of neat. Like they do yeah. dances in Fortnite. And they have some really interesting parachute items to bring themselves down into the island of killing each other. <laughs> this is true, and so and they so the, the costume stuff. Some of the kids love this, some of the some of the accoutrements that come, come along with these games, and that game in particular is kind of this quick hit relative to these games that where you level up, for example, um, and it takes weeks to play it. Fortnite, you're done in half an hour, forty five minutes at the long end, and then you want to play again. So if you're wondering, like, why why is my child want so interested in why can't I get them away from this thing? Part of it is. It works like a casino in a lot of ways. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's self-perpetuating. You want to keep playing and playing and playing because you come close to winning and you, want to, you get to play again very quickly. So come into their world. Yeah. 
be available. And that can be really hard that putting your fear and your judgment and your ego on the burner. Like I had a client talk to me in mindful parenting just recently about, she discovered that her daughter had been lying to her for two years about using Snapchat which she was particularly afraid of. And she had said, basically, just don't use Snapchat. And now it's like, oh, well, how do it's coming from that place of curiosity and putting those things aside. It's like, oh, what are some of the ways that this is like a really hard question? I know, but what are some of the ways we can do that? Like if you're, you're in the position of this woman. You're asking a question that parents ask all the time, right? You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, now I feel like I can't trust my child and you're telling me I need to be available and present. And um, you almost have to take these pieces and separate them a little bit. So parents will ask me like, you know, well, what's a good consequence if my child lies to me about uploading Snapchat onto her phone, for example? Mm -hmm. And I will often say, honestly, Hunter, I'll say, I don't care. <laughs> um, whatever, whatever you feel inclined, you know, whatever feels like it meets your your own ethic and what mm -hmm. you feel like is fair and and will prevent future lying. But the but the more important piece, and so that's the parenting part of it, kind of. The more important piece is, I think, being available. So I think if we think we're going to protect our kids or keep our kids away from the common stimuli that they're drawn to. I think there's a, a degree of folly affiliated with that. So if we think our kids are not going to listen to rap music, they're not going to get on Snapchat, they're not going to play video games, they're not going to get their feelings hurt online. You know, like this stuff is in all likelihood going to happen. So mm -hmm. as parents, I usually encourage people to accept the realities of what's going on with kids now and parent appropriately and put the boundaries and structure around it but because it's happening, you, one, don't want to create rule breakers. So you don't want to have too many rules, but you want to also create structure because kids are not going to be good at that on their own. So you need to be able to say, okay, well, you know, 40 minutes on the screen tonight, that'll, that's enough because I know that it's unhealthy for you to be on there any longer. And I don't expect you at 12, 13, 14, or 15 to regulate that very well. Mm -hmm. So first we have to understand what's going on. And that's that teaching piece where our kids are going to be better teachers than almost anybody else. And then the next piece is, okay, well, I'm going to have to put some lines around this. You know, I'm going to have to parent around this. Now that I know, I'm not going to just step away and say, okay, well, you know, enjoy the wild west. That, <laughs> this, is, this is where we really have to step in and say, all right, so I'm going to monitor this when you first get started. I want to see what, what you're writing on Snapchat, what you're texting, what you're receiving, who your friends are out there. So you're going to friend me. You're going to friend your aunts and uncles. You're, you're going to be very, very visible <laughs> out there until we know that you are safe because so, that's something we don't understand very well yet. Okay, cool. Okay, so kind of what I'm hearing you say is like, like separate these two things. Have the conversation about the boundaries, the rules, the consequences, have those conversations, like those are great to have. And separately say, okay, you know, we've figured that out. Now I want to understand. Now I want to, so have these, so, so have both of these. It doesn't have to be, you come from one stance. It's like, have both of these things sort of yes. in your pocket. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Absolutely. I love that, John. John, Thank you so very much. I'm so excited that you could come on and offer us your wisdom and all the things that you do for the podcast. And we're going to, I'm going to let you know, right? 
in the interim between John, what number is his Mindful Mama podcast? So you can come go back and look at that. But awesome. thank you. Thank you so very much for for coming on again, John. Really- thank you, as always, for having me, Hunter. It's always a joy to talk to you. Awesome. Amen. We need to get our house in order. This is about us, this work. I truly, truly agree with John about that. So, so wonderful. Yeah, he's got a radio show. Check out John, especially if you are in Chicago and his very cool podcast, Better with his lovely, lovely wife. Breathe. I'm interrupting the podcast to invite you to imagine listening to the ocean and feeling the warm breeze on your face. Imagine seeing little monkeys and smelling the fragrance of a tropical orchid while looking out at a vista of islands and endless ocean. This will be your reality when you join me for the Mindful Mama Costa Rica Retreat next April. We'll be staying in a luxurious private estate, which has a view to the beach over the rainforest canopy from every room as well as from the yoga porch and the infinity pool. Join me and other mindful mamas with each day designed to have a perfect balance of time for yoga, mindfulness, discussion, and free and open time so you can either make it adventurous, go hiking, learn to surf, kayak through the mangroves, go ziplining or more, or make it relaxing. Instead of adventures, relax, poolside, or wander down to the beach. We'll start each day with meditation and all levels yoga on the yoga porch. Every afternoon, we'll come together for guided relaxation and coaching and discussion with me. Locally sourced foods will be served at breakfast and dinner by our talented in-house chef. If you want to get away from everything and take the break that I know you deserve, join me. We have limited spots available, so now is the time to reserve at mindfulmamamentor.com slash Costa Rica or email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash Costa Rica or email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. I can't wait for you to join me there. Breathe. Next up, we have Anna Seewald. And Anna, oh, I forgot to tell you, Dr. John was on Mindful Mama podcast episode number 105 called Available Parenting in the Long Term. Anna Seewald has joined me at a Mindful Mama retreat as a special guest, and she has been on two Mindful Mama podcasts. She was on number 82, Give Your Children Space for Authenticity and Mindful Mama podcast number 131, How to Stop Yelling, which is another big favorite. And I think I forgot to ask Anna to introduce herself. So she is a parent educator, a speaker, and the host of the wonderful Authentic Parenting podcast, which I guarantee you will love if you like mine. So go check out Anna's podcast too. Now, Join me at the table as I sit down with Anna Seewald and these three questions. So Anna Seewald, 
Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad to have you on again. Thank you for having me. This is my favorite podcast. I can be on every time. (laughs) (laughs) I love having you on too, and I love hanging out with you. But we are going to dive right in. We're in, we're going to look at these, these questions I've been asking kind of in the new year, looking, taking that big picture, look at our parenting. And I invite you to think about, you know, if you can think about when you were a young mom and it was challenging and you were struggling, what advice would you give to yourself in that moment? I would say this too shall pass. There is a light at the end of the tunnel even though it seems like you're going to be stuck in this depressing, sad, (laughs) rot, hopeless state of not knowing what to do and being confused, but you're going to be okay. You are going to be okay. Trust and have faith. Mm, Okay. All right. So you would give your former self just that big picture view, that, that kind of way to, and so how, how would you help your former self serve? So I'm thinking about the mom who's in that place is like, yeah, sure. Thanks. (laughs) Easy for you to say, you know, just like the older ladies who like stop by and see your young toddler and they go, love every minute of it. And you just want to be like, flip them the bird because you're in such a difficult place. So how can we implement, how can we get that big picture? First and foremost, I would say, you know, to myself, this is in my situation, prepare some food ahead of time or purchase food. You know, I was starving. I was breastfeeding. I had no help. I had no family. My husband was working. And I was starving most of the time for whatever reason. And with breastfeeding, they would tell you, don't eat this, don't eat broccoli, it creates gas, don't eat dairy. And I was following blindly those orders from from my doctor, which I think I should have just eaten everything regardless of those concerns that it may create gas or colic in your child. So I didn't know what to eat because... I was starving myself. I didn't have help. And that was a big issue. I would say, learn to ask for help. That's a skill. It speaks of your responsibility, taking care of responsibility for yourself. It's not a shameful thing. As a new mom, you have not done this before. You can't figure this out all on your own. And you don't have to be that superwoman, superhero. Forget that. Just learn to ask for help in whatever area that you think you need, whether it's house cleaning, cooking, getting food, or getting a help to stay with your child so that you can take a shower, perhaps. You know, be creative in creating resources and getting help. That's what I would, I would have done. I I love that. Yeah. So to get that big picture perspective Mm -hmm. of like, this is going to pass, you have to kind of step out of it for a moment. And and we can't step out of it if we're constantly 24 hours martyring ourselves in it. So, so yeah, do those things to ask for help. It's insane that our society thinks that we're just going to be like one person, mostly a woman alone with like 
18 month old for 24 hours a day is insane making. So don't expect that. Of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. Thank you so much, Anna. And, um, and what do our kids need from us? What are they needing from us? And I, I think it's interesting to ask this question now from this perspective of a ways away from two years old. <laughs> yes. Do you ask this question in terms of what do our children need in general or in the beginning? Well, not, no, in general. Yeah. What do they need from us? Not much, really. They need our love and attunement and our attachment, I think. And I think we think we need to do more to make their lives miraculous, magical, their childhoods. We have to do X, Y, and Z. You know, we have to take them places. We have to, we have to, to do those things to be a better parent. Perhaps we compensate because we didn't get certain things or we didn't have a, you know, we were poor as children. So we end up buying, buying, buying more things. Whatever the story, I think what our children need from us is very simple is our time and our attention. And we don't need to be perfect. Pour some of your love into your child on a daily basis. Simple stuff. Just ask questions. Be curious. Give hugs and kisses. You don't have to jump through this imaginary hoops that you create for yourself to be a good parent. You are already what your child needs. Just show up as yourself. I think that's the main thing. And meet your children's emotional needs. I think First and foremost, that's the main thing. Honor who your child is. Try to see that already. Honor the capacity of your child becoming the adult, right? That there is a good quote I can't remember now, but treat your child as if he or she is already the adult. Mm -hmm. I think have that notion that that respect that selfhood in your child, that authentic self. Don't try to change or, you know, do anything with, with your child. Your child is already perfect and whole and complete. You are the way you should be. Just enjoy one another. Show your love. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to ask your child, how do you know that mommy loves you? You know, the love in your heart is not enough. You know, we need to show that love. And simple. I, I don't think our children need complicated things, truthfully. Working with parents now opened my eyes to a lot of things. You know, what they need is our presence. It's yeah. us to be happy and filled with joy and laughter and have fun together, right? They need simple stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So have you asked your daughter that question? How do you know that mommy loves you? Yes, not recently, but of course, over the course of many, I, I use this as a technique. I teach this to my clients. I have asked many times. Mm -hmm. I am very open and vulnerable with my child in terms of like that. She would tell me, yeah. What did, I, what did she I, say? She, I haven't asked her recently, but usually, usually she says, I love when you spend time with me playing games and she would name certain mm -hmm. games that we play. I love that we have cooking challenges together. You know, let's, let's make hot chocolate together and see whose hot chocolate is the best. She likes when I do things like that with her instead of, you cook and clean, mommy. You know, you make sure I am properly fed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not those things. <laughs> the experiences that we share together, like the walks we have, the pillow talk we have, you know, our little 
things that we have created, those small, meaningful moments, it gives you a reality check, you know, and you don't want to overdo or kill yourself to prove that you are a great mom. Just ask your child and you'll get a feedback. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that question. That's brilliant, Anna. I love that so much. Thank you so much for for coming on and doing this, Anna's two podcasts, two episodes of the Mindful Mama podcast. She joined us way back in episode 82 for the an episode called Raising Secure Authentic Children. And she was on in 2018 in with episode 131, Three Steps to Stop Yelling. So if you want to hear more of Anna's amazing wisdom and her grounded perspective, check out those episodes of the Mindful Mama podcast. Anna, thank you. I love what you do. I love who you are. And I love that you make time to just pop on and, and, and have this little chat with me and the listener. Thank you. Anytime. You know, I love you too. You're the only person from the online sphere that has become a real friend, a true friend. And, and I really love that. So keep doing what you're doing. I love your mission. I love your family and I love your podcast and everybody rock on. Woohoo! Rock on. <laughs> Isn't that question amazing? How do you know that mommy loves you? Oh, I love that. I, I need to find some way to say that to my daughters. So, so beautiful. Up next is a wonderful author that I really enjoyed talking to in Mindful Mama episode number 127, Good News About Bad Behavior. And Catherine Reynolds Lewis is the author of a book called The Good News About Bad Behavior. And she has some wonderful words of wisdom right now. Catherine Reynolds Lewis, I'm so glad to have you back on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so pleased to be here, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, we're having kind of one of these mom kind of days where we're like squeezing a few things <laughs> in, including talking to each other, which just the way life is sometimes, even if even if I, I try not to squeeze as much as I can. So Catherine, I'm going to point everyone to the podcast that we did before, but please give the, the listener a brief introduction to who you are. I'm journalist, certified parent educator, and author of The Good News About Bad Behavior, Why Kids Are Less Disciplined Than Ever and What to Do About It, which is the result of my five years immersed in the scientific literature on kids' behavior and development, and also following the most effective discipline models in the country, people who are actually practicing in the field in schools and homes. It's and such an amazing book. I love it so much. Oh, Catherine, thank you. So, I don't know if you know, but I'm writing a book, Raising Good Humans, right now, and I'm like, I've like got you in my little reference citations there. I'm citing oh, your, your book. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations. Oh, it's just the hardest thing other than raising kids I've done <laughs> to, to write a book. So enjoy it, and I'm excited to read it when you're done. Oh, thank you. It is kind of like having a kid, I think. I I realize that. <laughs> Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So I wanted to bring you on along with some other amazing teachers that will, will be in this episode to ask you about now that you're kind of on the other side of the crazy parenting turmoil that it is in the beginning, what advice, if you could go back and give yourself some advice when you were struggling, when you were a young parent, when it was all craziness, what advice would you give to yourself back then? I love this question. It's can be big or small as you want. And I think, I think of it as the very big overarching message I would give my younger self is to parent from a place of courage and not from a place of fear. Mm. So to see your child as an expansive set of possibilities. And that breaks down into some very specific ways that we can be with our kids. So number one is rather than trying to control them, really try to influence them. Try to, you know, not shape every single thing that they do or like or are or how they behave, but to, you know, share your own worldview and perspective and to supplement sort of their natural temperament. And then also just to really try not to be so worried about what other people think and just really focus on who your child is and how, how they can be the best version of that so that you're not worried about the judgment of your in-laws or your neighbors. Um, all those things are really a distraction from just being with your child, enjoying who your kid is. And that is really what I see as the fundamental challenge for all parents is to see with clear eyes who their child is, to mm. just love and support that person and to help them to understand themselves and to reach their potential. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Like when, when my first daughter Maggie was born, I remember right when she was born having this overwhelming feeling of like, oh my God, there's another whole person in the room. And then after that, that feeling of like, oh my God, you're another whole individual person dropped away because we kind of culturally think of kids as less than and all of these different things. And we 
And I can really see that you can come from a place of not like, who are you and how can I get to know you? And, you know, not to this place of like, oh my gosh, fear, like what will you be or what will happen? And that, that is that when we're trying to sort of control everything is like when we're like, oh no, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. All that stuff. Right. Right. And, and I should say, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination on the other side of parenting. And some of this advice may be shaped by where I am right now in those teen years where I'm trying very, very hard to, to see my kids as themselves, their own individuals, and not to be so attached to how they behave and how it may reflect on me or my parenting. And because the more that I do that, the worse of a mom I am. And the yeah. more that I let them venture out and spread their wings and make their own mistakes and enjoy their own things. And for me to try to learn from that, it's such a joy. That's so cool. I love that. I love that, Catherine. So what do kids need from us? They need unconditional love, 100%. That is the most important thing that they need from us. And many of us think that our love is unconditional, but in fact, they can see in our faces when we wish they were different. And that's just so hard for kids to feel that they are less than or disappointing the person in the world that is their source of security and reassurance and comfort to their closer to, especially in those young years than anyone in the world. So unconditional love, number one, and number two, for us to be their partners in curiosity, in exploring the world and figuring this out, that who they are, how they're going to use their unique talents and skills to make an impact on the world. Mm. And that's what I really feel is our job as parents to be helping our child figure out who they are, to constantly be expanding the boundary of what they're capable of, what their limits are, to always be pushing their independence and their level of responsibility and their autonomy so that by the time they're 18, we'll be ready to to sail out into the world and be completely capable. And really our job is to work ourselves out of a job. You know, it's to always be trying to shrink our role and expand theirs. And I tell my kids their job is to understand themselves as a person, how how they work best, what are the tools and strategies they need to manage their energy and their mood and their behavior and their relationships and and really to understand themselves so they can get the most out of life and, and figure out how they're going to use their talents and passions and strengths in the world to make a difference. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. Like those care and keeping of you kind of conversations, like understand you and how you're different from your sister or your brother. And those are so valuable, but they're the foundation for that is that unconditional love. And I I love that. That is, and, and we do forget, you know, we kind of make our love sometimes conditional, like I don't love you when you're angry. I don't love you, you know, when you're a, bratty <laughs> right <laughs> you know and how do so how do we show that but not like they're them smashing up the potted plants right <laughs> it's hard because obviously our kids push our buttons they they helped install them yes. you know they they um they know how to get under our skin and so that's actually you know all the things that you talk about of being mindful being in the moment trying not to be reactive and instead responding to situations and, and trying ourselves to be responsible for that boundary 
between me, myself, my area of control, and another human being and what they're responsible for. And so we can always choose what we do. I'm having trouble with the level of noise in this room. I'm going to give myself a walk around the block. And that removing yourself from the situation may prevent you from acting out in ways you don't want to. It models self-regulation and what to do in a situation when you may be overstimulated or getting emotional. And, and truly, by the time our kids are even three or four, they basically understand when we're disappointed, when we sort of what the rules are the, of the world are. And they're just trying to figure out how do I get myself to do what I know my parents and teachers want me to do. So they don't need any additional guilt trip from us. You know, we could be just give information, be very clear about the limits and the expectations in our home and the consequences when kids don't meet those expectations, but it doesn't need to be heated. It doesn't need to be emotional. It doesn't need to be shaming or blaming. It can just be very matter of fact. And that's what keeps them from feeling that sting of sort of rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't need the additional guilt trip from us, which is hard for us because many of us got that additional guilt trip. But I right. love that. I love that. Parent from courage, not fear. And really coming back to this is so beautiful, Catherine, because you're really pointing this back to what are the most important things, right? And, and be their partner in the world. That's such a positive way of looking at it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it so much. Thank you so much for taking these brief few minutes to join me and, and to get us started on this new year in this, with this focus on- My pleasure. It's important. A, I love the conversation and, and I'm excited for the new year and, and the ways that I'm going to fix all the mistakes of the past year <laughs> and move forward with optimism and hope and courage. Yes, we begin anew. Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Catherine. Oh, thanks for having me on, Hunter. I love what Catherine says about parenting from courage, not from fear. Yes, yes, yes. See what I mean? This is why these this episode these episodes are a gift to you because it's just odd. It fills me up so much. I hope it fills you up as much as it's filling me up to to have these conversations. So 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 cool. Finally, in this episode, will be our last guest the wonderful Julie Lithcott-Hames. And she was in episode Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 125, How to Raise an Adult. And she wrote the book, How to Raise an Adult. And she gets so heartfelt in this because her son is about to come home as we record this. And it comes from the heart in such a beautiful way. So I'm really excited for you to hear what Julie Lithcott-Hames has to say. Julie, thanks so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. Great to be with you again, Hunter. I don't know why you want me back, but I'm, <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> so will you briefly introduce yourself to the listener? Sure. I'm uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames. I'm the author of How to Raise an Adult, which is an anti-helicopter parenting manifesto born of my years as a Stanford dean working with other people's kids who came to terms with the fact that I was a helicopter parent with my own two kids. And boy, was that mortifying. <laughs> Julie's book is amazing. And, and she, she talks about it more in her episode of the Mindful Mama podcast, which we'll point you back to after this interview, but I'm so glad you could be here today because I wanted to 
point you back to when you were a helicopter parent. I still am. <laughs> I'm just trying really hard not to be. She's like, uh, uh, like biting on the stick. Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to tell other people what to do, Hunter. <laughs> it's so much easier. Uh, but I'm working on actually incorporating all of that advice into my own head and heart and into my own actions with my kids, which is a challenge I set for myself every single day. That's awesome. That's good. Good. Walk the talk. Right. So what advice would you give to yourself when your kids were really little and you were kind of struggling way back when? I would say to myself, hey, kid, this is the universe talking. <laughs> These children are being given to you for a time to love, to feed and shelter. And they are not your pet. They are not your project, and they are not the trophy that you get to hold up as proof of your own great parenting. These are little tiny humans with very big souls. Their soul is as big as it's ever going to be. Their bodies are tiny, though. And so you get to be their caretaker as their bodies grow bigger and their hands and feet and minds and hearts grow more adept at achieving the tasks walking this life path, etc. So I would give myself in some this sort of loving message, but a sort of a foreboding one, which is, hey, don't screw this up. Don't take them in so closely that you suffocate the being that they are. They are not yours. You are not them. Mm. They're their separate being. And you're there to walk alongside them, but not to walk this path for them. Oof. Oh, you gave me goosebumps, Julie. That was beautiful. I love that. That reminds me of Kahil Gibran, the prophet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He says, I can't, it's like that your, your kids come through you and they are not for you or something like that. It's really beautiful. We should get the exact quote. Get the exact quote and drop it in the notes because that okay. is a great poem and your listeners should definitely have access to it. I grew up with my parents sharing Kahil Gibran with me and I can't quote it accurately, so I won't try, but it's the right message. It's yeah. ab- and it's humbling and it's reassuring because then we realize, oh, it's not on me to make certain that everything happens in a certain way. It's on me to actually get out of their way, provide the things they need in order to craft a healthy life, food, shelter, love, high expectations, teach them how to work hard. But you know, this is their path to walk. This is their their path to walk. I'm going to share it right now. If you don't mind, I just did a quick search for yeah. it. From Kahil Gibran, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. And it keeps going from the there. You can give them your love, but not your thoughts, because they have their own thoughts etc. is so yeah. beautiful. So it's yeah. So oh, beautiful. I have, I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> we all have chills. Okay. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly though. Like they are not your pet, your project or your trophy. We get our ego so involved and it's step back. And that's exactly why I'm doing this, this podcast is to like have us be reminded of what is that big picture? Like, yes, let's see them as these whole individuals that we, they, we saw who they were when they were born. Maybe we saw, Oh my God, you're a whole being. And then we forget. So we're, we're reminding you right now, right now, dear listener. So then what do they need from us? Well, 
I actually got an email the other day from one of my readers and I thought it was so wise and I think it might be the right thing to, to reflect on in response to this question, what do our kids need from us? The reader was confessing that she really overparented her first kid and he had finally said to her in therapy, you know, every time you're there constantly reassuring me or rescuing me, you make me feel like I can't do things. You know, it's sort of the opposite of what we intend as parents. But when I read this email, I just had this feeling of dread knowing that's the mistake I have made. I'm not the parent who's the tiger parent trying to force my kid to be a brain surgeon, but I'm definitely the rescuer, constant cheerleader, always there. I'm just always there. And reading this other mother's account of what her own son had bravely shared made me realize, okay, you know, that's definitely the path I've been down with particularly my older child. And then she shared that she has an adopted child who she loves just as much, but she doesn't feel that same ownership over what he's supposed to be. In some ways, what he's supposed to do with the genes she gave him because she didn't give him any genes because he's adopted. So she's able to just walk alongside him and be a champion and an advocate and care, but not encroach with her own ego into his choices and into his needs and whatnot. And so weirdly, paradoxically, what I'm going to say, and forgive me if this just sounds somehow so strange, you can't even take it in, but I'm just going to try. Somehow that mother with her adopted child has managed to be more loving and a better parent than with her own biological child. It's as if our own children need us in this present moment when parenting seems to be defined as do absolutely everything for your kids. Know absolutely everything that's going on. It's no back off slightly, walk the path alongside them, treat your kid as if they are your best friend's kid. Mm-hmm. With your best friend's kid, all you're doing is giving great advice and rooting them on. How are you doing? Great to see you. How's life? You're not like, have you done your homework? What happened on the science test? No, <laughs> right? We expect more of you. Like, Treat your kid with the, with the loving courtesy and kindness that you can summon for your best friend's kid. See if you can't make that shift and treat your own kid that way. Do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. just essentially about injecting that tiny little bit of distance between our ego and their existence. It's a practice. I'm not saying literally forget that the kid is your kid or pretend your kid is adopted or whatever. Like, but it's just a, a lovely way to think about, to recognize that you do have a greater distance between yourself and your best friend's kid. You know, you love that kid, you adore them, but you're not, your own ego isn't intertwined with what they accomplish Mm -hmm. and what they fail to do. Quite honestly, I'm going to try to build that practice into my own interactions with my kids over the holidays. I've got a senior in high school and a sophomore coming home from college in the next day or two. I can't wait. I'm like a dog at the door with my tail wagging, waiting for that kid to come home from school. Mm -hmm. I can feel the emotion building Mm -hmm. in my voice just as I contemplate my son coming home. He's going to be home for five or six weeks, and that gives me a great amount of time to just practice. Can I walk alongside him instead of just needing to know, how's everything? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? So this is a practice I'm working on, and I'm offering it unvarnished to your listeners and to you with hope that maybe it's a way forward for all of us. That is so beautiful. I love that. Treat your kids as if they are your best friend's kid. It's such a... like. Funny and concrete way of thinking about it, though. It's really cool. It's like, I think, um, you know, Shafali Sabari says, like, love your kids, but care about them less. And it's kind of the same message, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is, and I love Dr. Shafali, it's because caring has become control. Mm 
it has become it has become so up in your business that it is too much. We've lost sight of what caring for actually should be. So yeah. we're trying to figure out ways to put the brakes on, pull back a little bit. And, and what happens is we make room for our own kid to step up and step forward and be and flourish in their own life. We stop acting like everything they do matters to us, worries us, makes us anxious and excited. And instead, when our ego's not in it. So we don't throw all of that negative energy onto them. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I've seen it happen in small doses in my own house. I'm just trying to get better and better at making that my dominant way of interacting. It, may, it reminds me of the mindfulness world. We talk about practicing non-judgment and practicing curiosity, right? The yeah. opposite of judgment is curiosity. If we can be curious about who you are, like interested in who you are, uh, but we don't have to like kind of create who you are, which is so cool. But, and you, it sounds like you're also really talking about restraint. So, cause the next question is like, how do we give that thing that our kids need? Right. But uh, to me, the word restraint keeps coming to mind. Like, and it sounds like you're kind of walking through that yourself. Like, how do I give my kids some more of that space? So what we're really talking about is a fragile, insecure self, us, that needs to be interacting with our kids in all these ways to feel useful, to feel needed, to feel loved and worthy. And what it boils down to is we've got to work on our own mental health and wellness in order to be able to give our children the appropriate distance uh, that they deserve and that they need and that they crave. I joke when I'm in front of large audiences, get a life and maybe your kid can get one too. <laughs> You know, and I say, if you really need to be so involved in the day-to-day, hour-by-hour transactions of your child's life, that's what, and you can't let go because you need that in order to feel whole as a human. I say, that's what therapy is for. And people laugh, but I mean it. You know, let's address what's not quite right in us so that we can heal ourselves a bit more so that our children are not burdened by all of these things that, that we end up kind of foisting on them. Yeah, yeah. Well, the work is in ourselves is the point. The work is to get right within ourselves. Often our lives these days revolve entirely around our children. We've got such a confluence of factors making that so. We are hypervigilant about safety because we imagine a stranger lurking on every street corner, even though our children are more likely to die as a passenger in a car, which is a risk we subject them to every day. We've decided the stranger lurking somewhere is the greater harm. And so we're always there to make sure they're never out of our eyesight. So parenting these days, we think requires a constant vigilance, whether they're at school or in a mall or in a soccer field or in a backyard. And we are constantly, constantly surrounding our children watching them lead their lives instead of leading our own life. And Mm. I think to myself, no wonder so many young adults in the millennial generation are said to be failing to launch. I don't blame them in some ways because we made adulthood look so very unattractive Mm -hmm. because all they saw adults doing was worrying, hovering, anxious, needing to know at all times what was going on. They didn't see us laughing with friends uproariously over a joke or over the state of the world. They didn't see us knitting a sweater. They didn't see us going for a run. They didn't see us going to the theater. They didn't see us doing community service. You know, they didn't see us out in our wood shop, you know, working on that thing that's our hobby or joining a choir. They didn't see us do those things because often we set those things off to the side because once we had children, we just decided our own 
healthy, vibrant adult life didn't matter anymore. And we need to show our kids, we need to role model for our kids what a healthy, vibrant adult life is because we want them to lead that life one day. So it all comes back to heal thyself and you'll be a better parent to your child. Amen. Amen, sister. So what are you going to do when your son's home? Are you going to go, are you going to be up and down? I'm going to jump up and down with glee. (laughs) And then after that, you're going to be out in your wood shop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, um, my husband actually has a wood shop and is a photographer and sculptor. And I love how interested the kids are in the things their dad can make with his hands. I'm a little less handy but I have brought singing back into my life and I've brought volunteering with people who are dying into my life. And um, so I've, I've just started volunteering with an organization called No One Dies Alone, which tries to ensure if someone's in the hospital and has no family at all or no family remotely close by, that there are volunteers who will just come and sit and be present with that person in their final days or weeks, which I find very joyful because I I just think none of us would want to die alone, right? And then there's a choir called the Threshold Choir. And by by the way, no one dies alone. If anyone listening to this is like, oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. Look it up. There are many hospitals have chapters. Sometimes it's called just no one alone because they offer volunteers for people who aren't actually dying, but Mm -hmm. in the hospital for an extended period of time and who are alone. The Threshold Choir also has chapters around the world. And this is a choir that sings songs at the bedside of people transitioning from life to death. And so I'm showing up at the Threshold Choir in my community. We practice every two weeks and it brings me such... I used to sing. I sang in high school. I sang in an acapella group in law school. I sang to my children once I had children. I recorded a few songs in my 40s, but I really don't sing anymore and I miss it. My voice is terrible compared to what it used to be, but still it brings me joy just to make harmony with other people. And so the long-winded you know, conclusion here is I'm going to let my children know that I'm involved in these activities. Just casually drop it into conversation so they know their mom's got something going on. Uh, besides like, how are you doing in school? <laughs> awesome. Good yeah. for you. Good for yeah. you. Those are beautiful. I'm so glad I asked because I'm those, those things really interest me. My mom was a hospice nurse uh, for many, many years. So that's yeah. something that really interests me. Well, Julie, I really appreciate you sharing your time and Absolutely, Hunter. your voice with us. I love, love Julie's book, How to Raise an adult is so wonderful. And we'll point everyone back to the podcast episode you were in before. But thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you're contributing. Thank you, Hunter. If people want to follow me, come to my website, julielifcotthames.com. You can link to my social. I've got an occasional newsletter. I promise not to spam you. It's a great way to just sort of stay in touch. And Hunter, good luck to you. Can I mention your project? Good luck to you in completing your book. I'm so excited for it to come out. (laughs) And I know your listeners are too. So as soon as I had that conversation with Julie Lithgott-Haynes, I had the opportunity, as I'm sure you will too, listener, to practice that mantra of look at our children as if they are our best friend's children. (laughs) Treat your kids as if they're your best friend's kid. It's really interesting. It helped me to 
get some perspective. So I hope it helps you to get some perspective. Maybe you're listening to this during the holiday season, or maybe you're listening to this in another time, but I hope it helps you to get some perspective. And again, she was in episode number 125, Mindful Mama podcast episode 125, How to Raise an Adult. To find these episodes, you know, even me, where I've access, you know, I have lists of all of them, I just Google Mindful Mama Podcast 125, Julie Lifcott Hames, and then it comes up. So I find that's the easiest way to find these episodes. And just to recap, we talked to Carla Nomberg, who is on so many episodes, including her probably the most famous one is number 85, How to Discipline Your Kids Mindfully. John Duffy was on episode 105, Available Parenting in the Long Term. Anna Seawald, her most famous episode is number 131, How to Stop Yelling. Catherine Reynolds-Lewis was on episode 127, The Good News About Bad Behavior. And Julie Lithcott-Hames, of course, number 125, How to Raise an Adult. So this is, you're just halfway through your gift, my friend. Just halfway. I have a whole... I have five more amazing guests to bring you next week for a New Year's gift. Next week on New Year's Day 2019, oh my God, I can't believe it, I will be having five more amazing guests on, actually six because one of them is my wonderful mentors, teachers, and friends, Kathy and Todd Adams of Zen Parenting Radio, which is another great podcast. So I hope that you have been truly filled up by this episode as much as I have been filled up by having these conversations. Just want to remind you that we opened up uh, another group for the Mindful Mama Transformation Coaching. It's five months of group coaching with a small group. We're going to be meeting on Thursdays. You need to check out what the past people have said about that because it really can be the work that changes everything and getting the support and that you need to to really change everything so learn more about that at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching and i will see you next week on new year's day it will be coming out with the part two of what do kids need wishing you a really beautiful week my friend namaste Thank you to DJ Taz Rashid for this wonderful song, Inspiration Drive. Go ahead and download his album, Live in Love, on Apple Music or on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.